Yes, you're listening to the Coffin Corners podcast. I am one of your hosts. I'm Big Tom McLean. With me, as always, is my buddy Nathan Sprague. How was your football week, Nathan? Uh, it had a lot of questionable calls to say, and a lot of invalids. That's all I could say for certain. It is a rough week. I agree um, with you. Tom, do you usually get, uh, you know, usually get some some callers on here? Cause, um, well, you know what? It looks like there's a there there might be a call coming in right now. Let me let me let me check on this really quick. Hold on, let's see. All I have to say is PJ Fleck and the Minnesota Golden Gophers personally got a gift basket of some sort, maybe by the college football playoff committee. It could be a PS5. Why? Because now they don't have to worry about the Iowa Hawkeyes being in the college football playoff. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. What? It's always a conspiracy with that guy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He sounded like Stephen A. Was he trying to do a Stephen A. Smith impression? <laughs> I thought that was Stephen A. Smith. What do you mean impression? <laughs> I thought it was a Stephen A. Smith impression. <laughs> when, did, when did Stephen A. Smith get so protective over Iowa State? Don't you mean Iowa? University of Iowa? Iowa State Cyclones. See, I think he's talking about Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh, yeah, you're right. The Iowa Hawkeyes. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> See what I get for trying to be fancy? I just threw State on the end of it, just so it sounded like a movie. Yeah, but but yeah. speaking of Minnesota, we got to really talk about Minnesota Vikings versus 49ers. And everyone's saying, well, you guys lost to Kirk Cousins. That means you will not be able to get to the big game this year. Yeah, we're hearing a lot of that. I'm uh, we've uh, we addressed that a little bit on our podcast, and even some of the 49er faithful are completely down on this team, thinking, "Oh my goodness, they've you know they they weren't what we thought we they were. They're you know they're a farce. They're not. They don't have the depth we thought they had." But you know, I think it's I think it's a little bit of an overreaction, given that they've been outscored by seven points over the last two games. Seven games total, not average, seven games total. And well, they're going into another tough game. They very well could go three in a row. As a matter of fact, uh, when I looked on MSNBC, they gave Cincinnati, the visiting team in Santa Clara this weekend, they gave them a 67% chance to win. So they could have a three-game skid. Well, it could be a whole lot worse. You could be Iowa's offense. That could be worse. So Iowa's, Iowa's offense uh, stuttered a little bit. They had a tough time getting going this week. Uh, having a tough going, uh, it's just look. I I need I need to have a have like a short explanation of like what the refs of Iowa Minnesota did. I wish they communicated what they were looking into because everybody thought they were just looking into. You know, just Cooper DeGene going out of, you know, was he in or out of bounds? They they should have communicated, okay, we are looking into, you know, because we're reviewing the play to see if it's a score. We're looking into whether he went, whether the, his feet kept in bounds, and also the possible invalid fair catch. Okay, so that, it was communication. Right. It, it was communication was it, communication is key. You need to let people know because it makes a difference of, you know, throwing, you know, having people throw stuff on the field. 
What'd you think about uh what'd you think about your Colts? The Cleveland Browns came along, they took out my 49ers, and then right after that they come along and, and take out the Colts. Do we need to worry about the Cleveland Browns? Are we gonna be looking at the Cleveland Browns as world championship contenders for the first time since like World War Two? Uh, we might be getting close to a WWE, so maybe what what a better year for the Browns to find a way to do that. To be honest, <laughs> this is the year that the Browns can win the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays can win the World Series. Well, I mean, it's crazy. Speaking of World Series, it's the Texas Rangers versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. And all I can say, if you want to understand what the ALCS was, it started out as a Lone Star Series, and it ended up being a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and history repeated itself of being a 2019 Road Warriors World Series. All the road teams won their games. Now, does this put Bruce Bochy on another level? Does this make him that much more certainly a, a Hall of Famer? I mean, because Bochy just came in, and just this year, um, his first year managing is sitting in a World Series. I, I think uh, if he finds a way to get the Texas Rangers, you know, to win the World Series, I think it's he he quenches it. He quenches it. The Hall of Fame, yeah, he's definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's got to be in the conversation, that's for sure. And speaking of Hall of Famers, uh, D Dusty Baker retiring um, over the weekend says he's going to stay within baseball, but not going to do the day-to-day -day grind as a manager. Um, but it would be nice to see him joining Bob Melvin, who recently came back to the Giants. Giants kind of one of those teams that likes to hire people who have been part of the organization with the nostalgia and stuff. But maybe Dusty Baker goes back and works in San Francisco with the Giants again. It's it's kind of funny. We were talking about the possibility of a first woman jury, and I thought they're just going to get someone that they're very familiar in the organization. They're, I mean, I know it's San Francisco, but... Yeah, well, they hired Bob Melvin out of San Diego. He played for the Giants in the 80s. In fact, I saw Bob Melvin play when I was a, a teenager. And so it's interesting to see what was she seriously considered for that manager position. It feels like maybe they were pretty much set on who they wanted to get, and maybe they knew that they were going to get him, and that's probably why they let go of Kapler when they did because it just seemed odd. It seemed like odd timing. And now all of a sudden, right before Melvin got hired, Farhan Zaidi, the general manager, he got a raise or he got an extension, which I thought was crazy because the team's not done better under him, not by any stretch of the imagination. But for whatever reason, Gabe Kapler gets fired and the general manager gets gets a promotion. Maybe it's just they're thinking, was he part of the Giants organization, you know, when they won those World Series titles during even year numbers? Bob Melvin wasn't, but um, but Buster Posey's part of the ownership group now, and he apparently he's a really big part of the hiring process, and, um, and Buster Posey's a big Bob Melvin guy. I don't know if he ever had any kind of contact with him or whatever, but... Buster Posey was really high on the idea of getting Bob Melvin. I mean, good for Buster Posey, you know, getting to be part of, you know, being part ownership. I mean, he really helped out the Giants when everybody kind of fought San Francisco Giants. It doesn't look like you're ever going to win in San Francisco. Yeah, it felt like uh, kind of like a curse because they went from winning the World Series in 54 you know, with Willie Mays, and then they moved to San Francisco in, like, 56. 
you know, whatever, I think it was 56 when, when the Dodgers and the Giants moved out here. Giants didn't, didn't do anything for a long time. The Giants didn't win any World Series for like 50 years in San Francisco. Well, I know about curses. I, I am a Cubs fan, so I'm just happy that I got to see one before... I hit the grave, so that's one of the all time crazy curses is that is that Cubs curse, man. That one you didn't think the Cubs were ever gonna win again. They just felt like one of those franchises that was destined or franchises that was destined to never do anything, you know? Well, I'm sure you know. <laughs> The Mets are the Twins postseason. Like they weren't ever to be able to win a postseason series, and and there was this interesting video that showed the odds of that happening of not being able, like eighteen straight postseason series, not being able to win. It's just just crazy. That's crazy. Giants left New York in 1957 and became the San Francisco Giants in 58. And I believe that's the same deal with the Dodgers. I'm going to look that up just to make sure. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure they left the same year. Yeah, same thing. 57, 58. Think about that. 54. And they'd won. You know, they had some droughts. The Giants won. Um, even when there weren't a lot of teams, they weren't winning a lot of World Series. 1905, they think they won... 1921, 1922, or maybe it was 22. But anyways, they, the longest drought was by far when they moved to San Francisco. And so now they've got those three. But now even those are getting a little further away. Now those are, you know, 12 years behind us. So what are you going to do about them Colts? What are they? What do the Colts need to do to turn it around and, and uh, get back to where they're in this playoff race here in the NFL? Besides getting better refs? At their own home games. Because I didn't wasn't able to see it, but it was a really poorly officiated game. No, it's just uh, the last two minutes of the game. I mean, there was this one call called illegal touching. And it's really tempting to, to go a really dirty joke by saying I've seen a lot more illegal touching in corn than during that play. Right. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of that. There seems to be too much of that officials deciding outcomes this year where um, phantom calls and, you know, turnovers that weren't turnovers and the officiating has been poor, especially with certain officiating groups. It'd be interesting to track and see which ones are tracking well, because I, I don't know if the NFL makes that part public, you know, that each week the refs, you know, the whole team they get graded and they get rated and that's how they decide who goes to the playoffs is based on, you know, how well they do. And I believe that they're aware of what their ratings are week by week, but there has been too much of that. I agree with you though. There has been too much of that this year. Might be that they might have to consider having a full-time referee staff. I mean, even Pat McAfee kept on going there. There's something weird going on here. And it's like, Pat, Come on, most of the sponsorships are prize picks, DraftKings. <laughs> of course there's something going weird here. If that's mostly the main sponsorship, of course you have to come to the conclusion that somehow there's some rigging here and there, and I'm not talking about the oil in Texas. I hope that if that's true, I hope that it stops, because that's the quickest way to lose your audience, as Boxing found out. Anytime the game's integrity comes into question, you lose fan base. And I, I was an NBA fan, uh, a huge NBA fan, um, until the whole thing with whatever his name was, the, the NBA ref. Um, but he... Tim Downey? 
Yeah, Tim Downey. Yeah, that's it. Tim Donahue. Was it Don? It was Donahue. Tim right? Donahue. Yeah, Tim yeah. Donahue. Yeah, so Tim Donahue. Yeah, so when that whole thing came out, you know, me and me and my brother were at the all of those playoff games in Sacramento. We were at all of them, you know, and that sucks to know that it was leveraged for Kobe and Shaq, and it felt like it was, but you wanted to convince yourself, no, it can't be. No, that would never happen. That wouldn't. That doesn't exist. But. You know, as much as he was a bad guy for taking bets and things like that, he also said that they were supposed to be light on guys like Shaq and Kobe, that they weren't supposed to call. The NBA wasn't making as much money with those guys not on the floor, you know, and that right. that just makes sense. You know what I mean? A pragmatic yeah. brain says yeah, of course. that makes sense. He wouldn't just say that just to throw the NBA under the bus. That makes sense. You know, it's like Jose Canseco when he... Talked about all the, you know, all the other players doing it. Nobody wanted to believe him. Nobody wanted to believe him. And then what happened? Then we had the report, <laughs> the big Marshall, what was it, Marshall report, whatever it was, or Mitchell report, and everybody, everybody was named. And then Conseco still the bad guy. I don't know how that's possible. He was just the honest one, right? Yeah, that's definitely crazy. <laughs> See how dark our show goes when our teams are are uh, on a skid. <laughs> yeah, we go on a skid. We go on a dark, bro. But let me have a little bit, people, of being lighthearted a bit, because I just want to give the different perspective. First off, I just want to say that Cooper DeGene touchdown was the greatest touchdown that that I've ever seen. That did not count. I mean, the way that he tight roped on the sidelines and he went down. Down and get to the corner end zone, you see everybody cheering, and you're just thinking, wait, he did not get his foot out of bounds. It's a touchdown. There's no way. There's no way. This is can't go back. And then you're invalid fair catch. But I just wanted to say, I'm going to give the perspectives of how the Hawkeyes, the Minnesota going Gophers, and then what actually happened. Okay, just a quick one. This is the Hawkeyes' perspective. What should we call? Do whatever it takes to prevent them from the college football playoff. Ah, you got it, boss. All right, get out the rule book, umpire. Uh, let me see here. According to this, apparently you could call back a touchdown if they wave around their arms a bit. It's an invalid fair catch. Brilliant! <laughs> Minnesota's. Well, this is the closest they're going to get to win this game. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to have it, but at the same time, I don't want to call this back either. Uh, we could call holding. We'll put that in the maybe pile, cause we don't get us wrong. We want to make controversy, but not to the point. But they're gonna throw stuff on the field, okay? <laughs> All right, so we're all in agreement. Well, best of luck, everyone. But remember, you're giving Minnesota their first victory in Iowa since the start of the millennium. What actually happened? Well, what didn't go out of bounds? Well, I, I, I guess I, I guess it's a touchdown. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What is that, Boof? He was waving his left hand around too much. It's invalid fair catch. Silent judge. Yeah, I was looking into maybe this is an invalid fair catch. All right, all right. Oh, this for a pig trophy. It sounds like a title of a rom-com. Or a Western movie, The Void of Rosedale. 
it's easy to blame the call, but I want to start a little bit of a new segment that I like to call because let's face it, Iowa's offense only two yards total offense in the second half didn't really help, which brings to a new segment that I would like to debut. It's that spooky and scary time of year. What's scarier than any monsters or crazy slasher figures? Iowa's offense. That's right. As I'm going to be discussing in Sportstitious. I will tell you how many points scored by Iowa's offense so far, and excluding defensive, special teams, and even a couple of Cooper DeGene touchdowns. What, too soon, Iowa? Iowa's offense has scored 98 points in eight games. That means Iowa's offense averages 12.25 points per game. So that's two times less than the goal of 25 points per game at the end of the season. That is their goal. But it gets crazier. In order to get to the 325 points in the next four games, Iowa's offense would have to get 56.75 points in order to get to 325 points and get to an average of 25 points per game. Now you're wondering, if the Iowa OC doesn't get to that and the seven wins, would he be fired? Drum roll, please. No, just a pay cut and maybe demoted. Now, the solution that I have, but first they must talk to the NCAA, is if it's okay, we can do fan-controlled offensive coordinating. The fans pick the offensive plays, then the IOC calls that play. Get a, they could vote on the app. Yeah, I mean, there's an app for everything, you know. Why not for this, too? Yeah, let the fans decide the calls. I like that. The fans get it right more than the refs, I think. Yeah, but I have to say, I'm not sure who had a worse week. Hawkeyes and Colts fans having games with questionable calls. Yeah, the Iowa one, uh, according to the rules, is the correct one. But they need to change some of the rules so that way it doesn't get to the point of if you just wave your hand anywhere, that it's going to be, well, that's an invalid fair catch. It gets called back. But I can talk that. Michigan. Michigan State not only got shut out, but pit the worst timing of a trivia question about a certain fear. Detroit Lions looking promising and then getting blown out by the Baltimore Ravens 38-6. And the kicker with the Michigan Wolverines. First off, Tom, I had no idea. Who knew that cheeseburgers were the gateway to cheating? Michigan Wolverines, or in Ohio, known as that team up north, is being investigated for sign-stealing and could possibly be facing a bull ban as we speak. But on the plus side, they got Detroit Pistons basketball to look forward to, right? Yeah, at least they got that. Well, I know the 49ers are in bad shape. We're, we're going in for a possible third loss in a row with our backup quarterback, with Sam Darnold, who he's washed out from a couple teams already. So that makes you uh, a little bit concerned, right? Yeah, definitely. But I don't think it's because of the Cousins curse. I think that's just coincidence. If it turns out my Colts end up facing Kirk Cousins and then lose to the Vikings and then my Colts don't end up being the playoffs this year, then I'll say, fine, the curse exists. I think there's a DeBartolo curse in San Francisco. The 49ers haven't won anything since DeBartolo hasn't owned the team. Ever since the Yorks took over, the 49ers haven't won anything. Well, they got to the Super Bowl. They didn't win the Super Bowl. Getting to the Super Bowl doesn't matter to me. I would rather them go 0-17 than lose the Super Bowl. 
Like the Super really? Bowl, yeah, the Super Bowl is. I mean, I grew up. You got to keep in mind, I grew up with the 49ers when I was with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and Waters yeah. and. Uh, I was about nine when Joe Montana won Super Bowl 16, when the catch happened and all that. And then they win Super Bowl 19 when I was like 12. And then they win Super Bowl 23 and 24 while I'm still a teenager. And then they win Super Bowl 29 when I'm in the military. So I'm used to them going and winning, and it was a regular part of my life. So to see them go and lose, it's it's a devastating, oh, it's so gross. I would be okay with them not winning for me because I feel like I was lucky enough to see the, my team win the Super Bowl five times. Not many people have had that in their, in their lifetime. Definitely not. Um, and I'd like my kids to be able to experience that, what that's like to watch your team from the beginning of the year with all that hope and then being able to follow it through and just see your team ultimately prevail at the end. That's not something that not, not something, you know, one team a year, right? I mean, how many times have the Colts won the Super Bowl? Two, three. I see when they were with Baltimore, they won, they won one. And then, and then with uh, Peyton Manning, they won another. So I think it's about two. Yeah. See, See how elusive that is? And the Colts has been around a long time. That's one of the, I don't know if it's one of the original teams in the NFL, but it's pretty close to one of the original teams. Yeah, I mean, they were part of the NFL before they eventually became part of the AFL. I feel like when they go and they lose, then it's just, I don't know, almost like you invested too much in it or something like that. I can only imagine what it feels like to the players. When you see the players sit there and just take it in after a loss and they're watching the streamers come down and they're watching the other players celebrate and they're using that to fuel their their quest for that next Super Bowl. Like, I get that. Like, I get that feeling, you know? It's not... I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that gets mad and goes out, kicks the dog and yells at the kid. Like, it's... Or throws, like, this expensive big screen TV down and breaks it or... (laughs) So you've watched my Dallas Cowboys videos that I like to KNBR always posted anytime we face the Cowboys with the, the Cowboys fans destroying their TVs and all that. The one guy throws it out in the driveway and then runs over it with his truck. So there you go. <laughs> Ru- ruin your truck and your TV. That's smart. <laughs> what about the guys throwing lighter fluid and burning their, their jerseys inside the house? Like what? Inside the house? What's wrong with you? I have a sister-in-law that's a Cowboys fan, so I got to be careful with some things I say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and she's probably not one of the crazy burn down your TV and all of that kind of stuff. Most of us aren't. Most Cowboys fans aren't. But there's enough of them videotaping themselves and putting it on social media to make it feel like they do. Well, I'm, to be honest, where we get, we got way negative here, so I'm going to give a shovel pass here for the human interest story. Oh, good. We always could use a good human interest story. So our human interest story really involves our listeners and podcasters out there. Oh, nice. It, this is not supposed to be for inspiration, okay? But I believe it's a fact you have an interesting story inside of you and needs to be told. You have a choice to have it be developed and shared amongst the public that's known as creativity or just share it with family and friends. 
or you have that one crazy story that you could even tell people you barely know, but it's that crazy story that you still can't believe that happened. To the podcasting public, or audio cast, podcast, big cast, any cast, or whatever cast you are, the fact that you made one is great. Look, you are going to have to face the reality that you are not going to be the next Joe Rogan experience. He had an advantage of being on news radio, the host of Fear Factor, and jumping while the iron was hot. But, I tell you, if you keep at it, you might have that episode that has more than 100 listeners. And even could be a podcast award nominated. Or if you are ambitious, or even award winner. Don't expect to meet success. Because that's where you will lead to failure. If you expect immediate success. Look at Hot Ones. It started with just selling hot sauces for wings. But people came back for more because the interviewer asked questions to people that normally wasn't asked, especially the celebrities. With the Fear Factor style of eating spicy wings. The important thing is, do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to your episodes? Because if that's the case, that's great. If you are looking for fame, well... Famous Fickle, my friend. Personally, I don't want to be famous. I just want to be known, and hopefully it's known in a positive manner. One minute, everybody's talking about Oliver Anthony's rich men nor for Richmond. But the next minute, people move on to talk about a pilot called The Amazing Digital Circus. Even if you become the well-known podcasters, it's okay just to enjoy the ride and find a way to say a lot of ads for your podcast. Or even in the middle of your podcast. All right, enough of positivity. Let's get to the worst football movie. Pretty much every football movie is terrible. But I want to know, what what is your all-time worst football movie, Nathan? Oh, man, this movie just keeps on my mind constantly. I'm just wondering, this was made in the 80s. And remember, there were a lot of well-known 80s movies. And this one ended up sucking. The worst football movie to me is hands down what the test screeners were probably saying before watching this. Johnny, be good. So what don't we like about Johnny, be good? Well, first off, it was the comedy version of the program that was done wrong. I mean, yes, it has Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr., Paul Gleason, Jennifer Tilly, and even... This was a movie that was introducing Uma Thurman. Okay, let me tell you what the plot was. All these crew recruiters want Johnny Walker to come to school to play football. Now, he's getting offered these bribes and special gifts, and we're all very familiar with that, especially Reggie Bush. But I have to say, there were some moments that I actually did enjoy. I don't enjoy immediately tearing down a movie. I want to get to the good before I tell you what I thought was so bad about it. All right, tell us what was good about it. That's what I want to know. I enjoyed the name of some of the, the parody of the university. So they had one that was called Old Tex Horny Toads. And basically it was a parody of University of Texas. UCC is definitely a parody of USC. They even had a Jim McMahon. McMahon? Mm-hmm. He was the quarterback for the Bears around the 80s. Yep, Jim McMahon. That's right. BYU. Jim McMahon. Yep. Yeah. He went to BYU. He was the craziest person to go to BYU. Well, they they had him apparently 
uh, they had him be like kind of like alumni to UCC. So, you know, which who, do you know who else was in the quarterback room with Jim McMahon at BYU? Correct? Steve Young. You're right. But also, I'm, I was just trying to figure out what they because they had one called Piedmont University or was it Piermont University? It, it was one of those, and I was trying to figure out what the parody of that was, or they just put that as a name because like Piedmont, get it? <laughs> it sounds like P. But there were a couple of scenes. I I appreciate the liquor store scene with the liquor owner, own liquor owner. Gosh, I can't talk. Talking about he went to Old Tex, he broke his leg, and he ended up losing a scholarship. But they still gave him a job there at the liquor store. It was it was a great it was a great moment of Johnny Walker kind of realizing maybe football isn't really the answer, maybe something a little bit more. I appreciate that. And also, there's a guy that falls around with a recorder, and there was this funny moment. He says, at 10.38, this movie sucks. Like, he, like he was recording, because at the end, it turns out that he was secretly part of the investigation team of the NCAA. That was his reveal. This guy was falling around, and it turns out that's what he was. Oh, and, and the ending was hilarious, too. You got to see all the football recruiters fight each other, especially Alabama and Penn State. Oh, nice. The actual recruiters fought each other, not the recruits. The recruiters, yeah. Nice. Not the recruits. The recruiters fought each other. It went, it went haywire. But the thing was, he got promised everything but an education. And that's what was interesting. They kept on promising, you know, oh, we got some great, you know, ladies over here. We also got the cars. We also got some money here. But the irony was these were colleges. And they forgot the thing that is part of a college is education. Ironic, isn't it? Yeah, that is kind of ironic. That's what State University provided, a place to have an education and play football. And I did enjoy the moment when the grandpa was saying, I shall fish yours, not my grandson. As I said, there are some great scenes, but the movie is a disappointment when it came to the subject matter. It could have been a whole lot better if it wasn't just trying to be a screwball comedy. That was the problem. And you're probably wondering what this got on Rotten Tomatoes, Tom. Yeah, what did it get on Rotten Tomatoes? A critic score of, drumroll please, 0%. <laughs> oh, no. Which is also another ironic, because they couldn't give special gifts or bribes to get that over 0%. But Paul Gleason, that plays Coach Hisler, or was it Heisler? But yeah, he was he was really a jerk. Trying to get jo- Johnny Walker to Piedmont. Uh, he was promised to be... Uh, the Piedmont University new head football coach. He would get five years of an uncut contract. And even he had him set up, and it just felt too real because a lot of guys have been dealing with that lately, especially Mm -hmm. Trevor Bauer. Yeah, that's for sure. He set up ladies to be with Johnny Walker, and the ladies said... Uh, a fake worse than a, than a sexual assault. That's that's what I'm going to say. And it gets to kind of the point of Johnny Walker's like, well, I really got myself into this now. And he's, and he's at 
like, this is like near the end of the movie. And he's like, okay, I'll make you a deal. You join me, Piedmont University, or you get 20 years to life. So he went along with it. He kind of found a way to make a loophole. He talked with the NCAA investigator. I wish uh, they kind of showed at least a scene that he talked with the NCAA investigator instead of having me to try to use my imagination. Okay, Johnny Walker explained, you know, what happened. And he's like, okay, that's messed up. I'll help you out. So John Walker ends up going to State University. I I also kind of wish they showed a scene of them having that realization of, oh, yeah, I want to be educated. I I just don't want, you know, all this stuff, you know, and and glory and fame and and just being known for just playing football. I want to be known as something a whole lot more. That's pretty much the movie. You don't really need to watch it. Robert Downey Jr. tries to be too funny sometimes, and it just gets annoying. Wow, so they had all kinds of names in it. That's crazy. How have I not seen this film? And and no, I'm not going to see it, because I'm not really a huge movie guy. Every once in a while, I'll watch a movie if I give in to the pressure, and I usually regret it. For example... Just, just, just watch the trailer. Just watch the trailer, and you pretty much have watched the movie. You save yourself time. Pretty much my least favorite football movie is just because of the inaccuracies and the way that people got celebrated was The Blind Side. The, when I first watched it and, and they vilified the, um, you know, the commission that was investigating them, that was, right. that was like when my spidey senses were going, wait a minute, hold on. These bad bad people are going to come along and all of a sudden just start messing with you, and um, and just oh, I just don't like it when they do that. I don't like it when they when they frame it to be a true story, and it's so so far from the truth. So, Blindside can suck it. I know I have family members and friends who for a long time thought that was the greatest movie ever, and I used to tell them. And they thought that I was just pooping on their parade. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't help it. If I think it's terrible, then it's that's my reality is that it's a terrible movie. And to be fair, I don't like a lot of football movies. There's, there's some good ones. Um, if you want a good, funny movie, uh, it, I think it would be an 80s. Maybe it was a 90s. was Necessary Roughness. And look for cameos by Prisoners. Jerry Rice, uh, Roger Craig, uh, I think Michael Irving was in there. Herschel. I Walker. thought Scott Bakula was in that, right? Yeah, I think was he was. Scott Bakula in that? Yeah. He was the quarterback. That's right. And um, <laughs> but that was a that was a good one, and you know even had some decent football action in it. And I think you had Kathy Ireland being a kicker too. That was it. Kathy Ireland was a kicker. You're right. Yep, she's a soccer player turned kicker, and she yeah. helped the team out. But yeah, and that and- was before it became. <laughs> it's funny how how life imitates art, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, the conspiracy theorists think that you know they sneak that stuff into movies so that we could prepare ourselves for it. Although I don't think that they had the foresight to go. You know, there's going to be a female kicker years from now. We need to make sure we get Kathy Ireland apart so we can get America ready for it. <laughs> You know, all I could say is, Tom, I'm really looking forward to the movie that, you know, you know, world leaders used a virus to get a authoritarian rule. 
Oh, wait. That was reality. <laughs> what, what was the name of your worst football movie again? It's called Giant V Good. And I'll give them credit. At least they had the Giant V Good song. But it's like near the end of the movie they had that. But I got to give them credit. At least they did something that the Barbie movie didn't do. They didn't have a... They didn't have Aqua's Barbie <laughs> in the Barbie movie. At least Johnny B. Good actually had Johnny B. Good. So I'll give them a little bit of a star, you know, for doing that. So Well, they can dig that. And then my least favorite movie was The Blind Side. And who do the Colts have this weekend, if anybody? Uh, let me look that up quickly, okay? Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I should have... Uh... I could have looked that up myself. I just thought you would, because <laughs> I know that uh, San Francisco might be able to help the Colts out here in a couple of weeks. Oh, we're facing we're facing the Saints. We're facing the Saints. Yeah, see, that's going to be a good matchup. That's a yes, that, but you know both teams I think have similar records, and both could possibly become dark horses if they make the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. Neither one of them is completely out of the picture. It's not unreasonable. And then um, San Francisco is going to be, in two weeks, uh, taking on the Jaguars. So the Jaguars have some tough games ahead of them. So there is uh, room for some movement in that division. You know, you know, if the 49ers are able to, you know, put their pants back on and act like big boys. I don't know what's going on right now, but... You know, again, seven points in two games. I'm honestly not worried about it. You know, Carlos Alves Rockies ready to trade the entire team and fire the, all the coaches. I don't think we're at that point yet. <laughs> you know, we have a young kicker who's missed a couple field goals. That's perfectly fine up until like week 10 or 11. Ooh, that's when things start, you need to start getting dialed in. That's when you need to start really worrying. So um, I'm not really super worried about San Francisco. I think they're going to be just fine. And I'm not quite too worried with the Colts. I mean, they played some close games. Uh, they're just lucky they don't, they don't have to play the Jaguars for all 17 games in the season because they would have found a way to be 0-17. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, the I'm kind of scared of the Jaguars team. I'm kind of scared of the Jaguars team. I, I've seen the secondary improving. It's kind of scary. It, I'm, I'm kind of scared. They could find a way to... I'm 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 kind of scared to say it. Maybe could even make the conference championship game this year. I'm kind of scared, I'm, but I just said it. I'm kind of scared. Yeah, they are. They're they're a good team, and they you know, and uh, Baltimore is another really good team over there in the AFC. So it's going to be a a fun season. I mean, we still got a long ways to go. You know, San Francisco is going to be hosting the Bengals. Like I said earlier, the Bengals. 67% chance of winning in San Francisco, according to whoever it was I was looking at, MSN or whatever. And I just think that that's kind of a crazy. I think that's kind of insane. You know, you got a 5-2 and two team hosting a 3-3 three and three team, and the 3-3 three and three team is favored just because San Francisco is rolling out Sam Darnold. I think the players are going to play a little bit harder for Sam Darnold. They're going to be – San Francisco is going to be at home. You know, San Francisco is going to be home in Santa Clara. <laughs> I love saying that because I always thought it was ridiculous that they moved to Santa Clara. Did you know that the 49ers tried to change their logo back in, was it the 90s or maybe, I want to say it was the 90s when DeBartolo was first thinking about moving the team out to Santa Clara 
and they changed they took the SF out of the logo and they made it a four it just said 49ers. And then Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, nobody liked it. And San every like real Niner fans were pissed because it it felt like you're trying to move the team, and that's what it felt like. So that's why it's kind of funny that they're still San Francisco 49ers. They still wear the SF, even though they're like 45 minutes away from San Francisco, which I think is kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be an interesting NFL season. That's all I can say. And maybe they might have to think about getting full-time refs. I mean, I don't know how long you can keep up with this game part-time. And at some point, you're going to have to get full-time refs. Might even have to get like a, an academy maybe even. Who knows? Yeah, and maybe maybe even have a um, a review booth right there in the stadium, a review booth right there on hand, and then you know checks and balances all the way. Still have the review booth in New York, but the review booth right there in the stands that that calls and says, "Hey, we're we're gonna look over this again. That wasn't what you said it was." You know, the whistles bother me too because the, the you know when once they whistle the ball dead. It's and it's happened a couple of times where they mistook a, a dead a ball that wasn't was shouldn't have been whistled dead, and they whistle it dead and the play is over, and they need to learn to sit on those whistles a little bit. That that to me is kind of a little bit troublesome too. Well, if people don't have any plans, uh, uh, there's a couple of. Uh, this Saturday, if you're around the downtown Ventura area and your kids are just anxious to trick-or-treat, uh, there will be you, they can trick-or-treat in downtown Ventura, 4 p.m., 7 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, you can stop on site on um, buy some stores, especially make sure the industry horror store, and you know you'll get some candy. Nice, I dig it. So yeah, you go. Be sure to take your costumes over there. Why wouldn't you go to Industry Horror? They've always got all that really cool stuff around, and do some trick or treating. I agree. I think it's a great idea. Also, make sure that you're safe. Also, the that's what's great about trick or treating right there too is there's no cars, so there you know it's blocked off now. So that's a great spot to do that at. Great spot to showcase your your great costumes. Are you dressing up this year, Nathan? Uh, if anyone asks me and I'm not dressed up, I'll just tell them I'm dressed up as a SAG-AFTRA actor. There you go. You're on strike. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're on strike. I could dig that. <laughs> also, isn't the Bard Mansion thing uh, coming up too, or is... Yeah, the Bard Mansion is happening on, to, not tomorrow, but the day after tomorrow as we're recording this. Um, the guest lists are sealed because they, um, they have to get, uh, base clearance because the, the, the actual mansion is on base. So, um, so th they wouldn't be able to get a clearance in time. So anybody that has tickets or anybody that's going has tickets already, I guess is what I'm saying, <laughs> including myself. I had to go get cleared. Uh, I found out that I didn't need to go get cleared. I found out that I actually have base access, which, I thought it was kind of cool. Now I'm going to start going over there every once in a while. But, um, you know, so yeah, the Bard Mansion gig, I'll, I'll be sure to tell you how that goes. That ought to be interesting. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. You get to do it in a mansion, and wow, it's spooky out. 
Yeah, haunted the haunted mansion. Spooky, scary, haunted. Yeah, what's cool is the fine folks over there at uh, Turning Point. They're going to give everybody a ghost hunting kit, and they're going to have access to all the haunted areas of the house. So, you know, we'll we'll see. I might be terrified. I don't know. Play it by ear. <laughs> Don't worry. You got some paranormal investigators there. You got your own Ghostbusters team. You'll you're fine. Yeah. Plus they're serving prime rib. I'll be fine if I'm getting prime rib. It's I, everything's good. <laughs> That's all I need is my prime rib. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Coffin Corners. As Nathan said, be sure to like, subscribe, tell all of your friends, and hey, give us a call. Send us an email. I don't know what email you'd send it to, but find us on social media. Send us a they message. Need... Oh, wait, go ahead. Uh, I just, never mind. I was going to say my original email just, but I realized that's filled up right now. So, but you can contact us on social media. Uh, you could contact Tom XL Comic. You can contact me, Sports Booth 32 on Instagram. Yeah, and you can send Nathan an email asking if his email's cleared out yet, and he'll let you know right away whether it is or not. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening to Coffin Corners, and we will talk to you next week.